Good morning. Welcome to worship. You know, if you come on Saturday, you might get a good morning as well. Um, you know, the amazing thing on Saturday is when I say good morning, they say good morning right back. Um, so it's, uh, it's a matter of practice, and here it is, good morning. It's a glorious day to celebrate this uh, great occasion, the 4th of July. Um, does anybody who was born um, at this time remember they, where they were in 1976? Nobody? I was at, in um, Felt, Oklahoma, on a trip around the country um, with two girls from Sweden and my sister. And after we found my great uncle's ranch, where they told us, you go to this road, you turn left, go six miles to the first house, and that will be their house. This beautiful house with no grass, nothing but um, a driveway, uh, all, you know, all of that, and snakes. So then, you know, on the bowl in the kitchen, they had rattlers. And so we were young. We're looking at those going, where did those come from? Outside. As long as you stay basically out of the, essentially just stay on the concrete. So here it is 4th of July, they're setting off sparklers and doing all these things that at that point were illegal in, in New York State, and I'm standing on the cement with a sparkler. Like I dare you. But it is a day when, um, that was the day my father-in-law drove to New York City to see the big ships. Um, it is a day when we celebrate independence, which is both a blessing in our country and sometimes a curse in our Christianity because God gave us the independence to make choices and to live our lives in ways that we chose. So we come to worship to be reminded that depending on God and not being so independent uh, when it comes to our faith is truly a blessing. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Oh, wonderful God, we come to you on this day of celebration and honor. We come to you on this day when we come to worship you, to celebrate baptism, to be a part of a church community that is always hoping to look for you and to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. May we be honored and blessed by your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things we're going to do right away this morning um, is to welcome our new pastoral associate, uh, Jennifer Steerheim-Stam. So I'm going to invite anybody who's here from the SPRC um, and Jennifer to come up and join me. Anyone? Oh, she has one. No, the P SPRC, somebody needs them. Good morning. Dear friends, today we welcome Jennifer Steerheim Stam, who has been appointed to serve as a pastoral associate here at Pendleton Center. 
We believe that she is well qualified and has been prayerfully appointed and hired by our bishop, Mark Webb, and our district superintendent, Carlos Laguerre Rosa. Jennifer, you have been sent to live among us as a bearer of the word of God and a sustainer of the love, order, and discipleship of the people of God. I affirm this commitment in the presence of this congregation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as a people committed to participate in the ministries of the church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service, will you celebrate this new beginning and support and uphold Jennifer and her family in these ministries? We affirm our commitment to support you with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who minister among us. As we prepare to pray, um, I thought you might want to know, um, at least visually see, a part of Jennifer's family, her husband Mike, her daughter Eva, and her daughter uh, Maddie are sitting over here. And so um, after church, please feel free to welcome them. And you see a little blurb on that blue paper. Feel free to ask questions. And um, as you're headed out, just take a minute to say good morning. Um, I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to invite you to join in the congregational prayer. Eternal God, strengthen us and sustain us in our ministries together. With Jennifer as our new pastoral associate, give her patience, courage, and wisdom so to care for us and those we meet that, might, that we might challenge one another together. We may follow Jesus Christ, living together in love and offering ourselves, supported by one another in your service. Amen. Let us join in prayer. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. As we get ready to celebrate our many freedoms this weekend, 
let us not forget the ultimate freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we sing this first hymn, we're reminded of his invisible attributes that are in all that he has made. So if you'd please stand as we sing America the Beautiful. that uh, I think it's important to share um, is that as we move on in our music ministry, uh, we are so pleased to announce that Nancy Himes, who was just up here, and Tom Crosby, who is not here this morning, will be sharing the music leadership along with Sue Wasewitz. The three of them will be guiding us and singing with us and uh, just using their God-given gifts to praise God among us. And so I just wanted you to hear that announcement that it's official as of the 1st of July. So...
As we are going to uh, share in the sacrament of baptism in just a minute, one brief other announcement. You may notice that the pulpit is in a different location. I wanted to share with you why it is where it is. We often find that when people come up to read scripture, um, depending on their physical abilities, um, struggle to get up the steps where there is no railing. And so one of the things that we decided was to bring it down so that nobody had to go up steps in order to read the scripture um, or do whatever happens from the pulpit. We're just going to try it and see if it works in this location. Um, so, you know, pastors would be foolish to not think that people didn't notice things that were in a different place. Um, and the other thing is that it's in preparation for the time when the choir is over here and then the band will be over here. And so we just wanted to share with you um, it's about um, accessibility and um, not wanting someone to fall going up to the pulpit. Uh, so that, just an announcement. Um, and so we are going to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, and uh, we're going to um, not only celebrate the sacrament of baptism, but it's going to be twins, um, Zoe Ann and Ezekiel Atwood, and I'd like to invite them all to come. I said that maybe we couldn't all fit up here, but I think if people go behind the communion table, I think we say bring it on. Everybody that wants to come up, but most especially Zoe Ann and Ezekiel and Caden and the godparents and grandparents. And as they, as they come up, um, I invite you to notice their baptismal outfits, which, if I remember correctly, are made um, out of Kim's wedding dress. Am I right? Yes. yes. So what a beautiful thing to behold. Come closer. You're fine. Don't stand on the edge. And don't be burned up by the candle. Oh, Caden, are you making him laugh? Are you good at that? Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, which is not simply this here and now but is into whatever church and faith community we find ourselves as Christians. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered without price. Um, babies, you know, of course, they get all the grace all the welcome, as do children, and so do we all. It's just that when you get to be a little older, believing has a part of it. Um, today we come together as Ezekiel, Ezekiel and Zoe Ann's family, big brother Caden, godparents, grandparents, and friends to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Let us pray. Gracious God, every child is a miracle of love. And today we thank you for the miracles of Ezekiel and Zoe Ann. Hold them in the gentleness of your hands and their family in the bonds of patient love. 
May these children grow in the way of faith and grow to be close to you, close to their grandparents, godparents, family, and forever close to their mother and father and big brother Caden. Let them be aware of your tender care and your righteous calling in their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now to the grandparents. It's an awesome responsibility to become a grandparent. Becoming... Oh, I'm so glad you're so excited. <laughs> it's an even more awesome responsibility when you're grandparents of twins. Um, and I know that... Um, there have been times when you've prayed for, supported, comforted, and encouraged um, Christopher and Kimberly as they have become parents. You've loved them through hope, times of anxiety, lack of sleep, and celebration. For all of that, know that God has used you, that God has needed you to be messengers of encouragement and hope. That journey will be forever part of your story as grandparents to these beautiful grandchildren. As Ezekiel's and Zoe Ann's grandparents, do you promise to surround them with love, inspire them with faith, and support Christopher and Kimberly as they raise your grandchildren? Will you pray for their marriage, their parenting, and their family? If you will do whatever you can to fulfill this awesome calling, will you say yes? Being parents and grandparents is a wonderful and sometimes challenging place to be. Let me pray for you and all grandparents who are here. Heavenly Father, you have given Ezekiel and Zoe Ann to these men and women. You have brought them these children, and they thank you. Lord, please bless them with enthusiasm for these relationships. Bless them with stories of faith. Let them share you and your love with Ezekiel and Zoe Ann, that they might grow to know you through these beloved grandparents. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be, you may be seated. And so we now ask you, let's, um, let's move this so that you don't, can step a little closer. You guys will find it, right? As you each stand here, I ask you to answer these questions. Your own personal faith has a profound effect on the way that your um, that the way you live and raise your children or godparent your children. Um, we gathered here are honored to participate in this sacrament that is for today and always. So on behalf of the whole Christian church, I ask you, do you reject all that is evil in the world and do you come before God, your family, your children, these witnesses and people of faith who will become part of your lives? If so, then say we do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist all that is evil, all injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, then say we do. Do you confess your belief in God the Creator, Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Savior, and to the best of your ability put your trust in God's grace and promise to be faithful to God? If so, then say we do.
Will you, as Ezekiel and Zoe-Ann's parents and godparents, nurture them in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and your example, they may be guided to the point in their lives whereby they accept God's grace for themselves, profess their faith openly, and agree to live a Christian life? If so, then say, we will. Will you make every effort, every attempt, to provide a Christian upbringing for Ezekiel and Zoe Ann, giving them the opportunity, when they are old enough, to learn about God, the Bible, and Christ's holy church? If so, say, we will. And as the family, friends, and congregation gathered here, do you promise to surround them with love, inspire them with faith, and support Kimberly and Christopher as they continue to raise Ezekiel and Zoe Ann? Will you pray for their parenting, these two beautiful children, and their family? If you do, if you will do whatever you can to fulfill this awesome calling, will you say yes? Yes. Come on. All right, Caden, it's time for your job. Caden is the big brother, and so he is going to pour this water in. Good job. And then I'm going to um, say a prayer over the water. Does it look like regular water? Can you feel it? It's a little cold, isn't it? Do you think Zoe Ann and, and Ezekiel would be like, <gasps> they, they might just a little, but we'll do the best we can. Let's pray over this water. Eternal Father, you have always brought forth water for your people. You created the world and the waters that nourish us. You sent the living water through Christ and your spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water and Ezekiel and Zoe Ann who will be baptized with it. Clothe them in righteousness throughout their entire lives, that this day, being claimed by you as a part of this household of faith, they will be marked forever with the sign of eternal life. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Okay, big guy, you're first. You stay right here with me in case he gets nervous because he doesn't know me. What name is given this child? Ezekiel David. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed in this day and in this life to come. What a good boy. You're such a good boy. What name is given this child? Zoe Ezekiel. Zoe Ann, Dorothea, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May you be blessed as a part of the family of God from this day evermore. Okay, Sue, where are you? 
Why don't you see if Ezekiel will go to you? And so it is that we introduce you to the two newest members of this household of faith. Do we need Caden? Hey, Caden, come here. So we're going to walk down and introduce them, and you're going to come with us in case they get a little nervous. And so, as I said earlier, um, they come to us in these baptismal gowns that are a part of their mother's wedding dress, and I think what a wonderful gift to carry on this tradition of faith. And are you waving? Ceiling fan? So we're very glad to have both of you, and uh, Sue and I are very glad to have a chance to carry you around a minute, right? We can go see your mom and dad. Do you see them? We will um, send their baptismal certificates to you. We have uh, a Bible for each of them. And then uh, these two story um, books. This one's called When God Made You. You, you, when God made you, God made you all shiny and new. An incredible you, a you all your own, a you unlike anyone else ever known. And when God made the world. So... I'll let the godparents. <laughs> Is that yours? Well, thank you, Caden, for your help. And as they return to their seats, I invite you to welcome them. Thank you so much. No greater offering than when a parent, a set of parents, grandparents bring a child um, for baptism. We each bring the gifts that God gave us. We bring the gifts that God gave us in the ways we use our hands, our feet, our mouths, our minds, all of our bodies, and our gift of prayer. So I invite you as we come before God in this time of offering to be mindful and um, in tune with how you have been gifted and how we then return our gifts in mission, in ministry, and in support of this wonderful congregation.
Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we make our offerings small and large with the hope and the confidence that all we do, all we offer, all we say, all we think, and all we hope take root in this world and be the source of new expressions of your love, of your justice, of your character, of your mission, and of your reign. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, through us, alongside us, despite us, and for us. Amen. You may be seated. We come for a time of prayer and celebration. So I ask that you join your hearts with mine as we offer up our prayers this morning. Lord, we come here today in fellowship with one another, setting aside this timely solely for you. We offer you praise and worship. We're here to listen to you speak to us and leave here shaped a little bit more into your likeness. We come humbly and quietly before you praying. We thank you for those times this week where we've smiled and laughed, those times of friendship enjoyed, of meals finally shared, those times when we appreciated the beauty of nature, when we felt a peace in our hearts, and when we paused to be grateful for the life that you've given us. For all these and so much more, we know that we are blessed. And in gratitude and joy, we pray for our days of difficulty and struggle, for the times that we have been less than our very best. We give you thanks that you do not turn away from us and that we are never alone. The Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, you are gracious and just to forgive us and you help us start anew. So we pause in silence to personally confess our sins to you now. Lord, we lift up to you our church. We want to be used by you to make a difference in the lives of others. The need for hope, acceptance, love, and compassion is great. And you are the answer to those needs. Help us to show others the way through your programs, through our ministries, and most of all, through our lives as we set an example. Lord, we ask you to pray for those who are sick, suffering, lonely, misguided, or just in need of your presence. We ask that you would touch them with your healing, with your guidance, and with your peace. You have those people on our prayer list and whose names are in our hearts, and we ask your blessing. Lord, we ask for those servicemen and women who are out there fighting, making our freedom possible. We ask for the confidence and joy and hope we have each day because we walk daily with you. 
we give you thanks and praise in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. And to those who may watch this later, good afternoon or good evening. Our scripture reading for this Sunday is Mark 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you, or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Is anybody planning any trips this summer? Anybody? Or have you already been on trips? Um, is that how you're going to pack? No extra clothes, no extra shoes, no money. Um, what do you think? Anybody up for that kind of traveling? Um, I vote no. Um, part of what Jesus encountered in going to his own hometown was a lack of trust. Do you think of yourselves as easily trusting people, anybody? Hmm. Hmm. We are, 
and part of how this country was created was, had that written all the way through it. And people of faith, just like people everywhere, struggle with trust. How do you learn to trust? Um, and I'm just going to ask for a pop-up few words. How do you learn to trust someone or something? What's that? Experience, attitude, uh, the ability to know them. What's that? Keep a secret. We struggle at times. Relationship is a part of how we build trust, as you've heard from these examples. If you want to build trust with someone or if for some reason you don't trust someone, Sometimes we wipe the dust off our feet and we walk away. Done. Sometimes, and I believe this is where God would lead us, is that we have a couple of choices. One is we go closer. And we try to figure out, well, why don't I trust this? Now, if you're at Darien Lake or Disney World and you don't trust a ride, just don't get on it. I'm telling you, just don't get on it. If somebody comes and offers you a, r- a ride in a car that's smoking and dragging pieces, don't get in it. But this isn't about those things. This is about relationships, people, faith, belief in God, and trust in God. I believe that it is a lifelong journey to learn to trust God. And sometimes we don't learn to trust God until everything is taken away from us. By disease, by hurricane, by poverty, by loss, by simply being in that place where we have no supports, no crutches. Now, in this part where one of the things that I think is clearly important in this passage is the part where he says to them, and I want to highlight this, and they took offense at him. And second, he was amazed at their unbelief. These are the people that Jesus grew up with. These are the people in the community where he and his father were carpenters, where he and his mother Mary and his father Joseph and the siblings that are mentioned. It's where they lived. And yet when he went back, they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. How does that feel? Like, if Jesus grew up with you and you knew it was Jesus when he came back as an adult to preach or teach or heal or baptize, would you be like, no way, this guy, we know him. We've known him since he's a kid. We don't believe him. Maybe you would feel that way. My feeling is that if I knew it were Jesus, I'd be like, can I come to your house today and tomorrow and the next day? And could you preach on Sunday because I'd rather hear you preach than me preach? We don't often have that opportunity to see 
Jesus physically. It's Jesus calling. And the Holy Spirit glistening up here where the pool is reflecting on the ceiling. We do not hand over trust easily. How many times throughout Scripture did we read about people surrendering themselves to God and saying, I'll do it, I'll go, I'll follow, except maybe I want to do this more. Or maybe I'll offer my child to be used by God and then take them back. Maybe I'll in my mind, bring something to the altar and say, I give it to you, God. I give it to you. I give it to you. And then when we're leaving, when we think nobody's looking, we take it back. Trust is not easy. So we jumped to the disciples who are going to be sent out. And the one, uh, thank you, Jesus, for part of this for me is that he sent them two by two. Um, because I, for one, I don't want to go by myself. Because there are times when, when you imagine yourself having to go to a home and find your own place to stay, and you have to stay there for the whole time you're in the town. I want somebody else's opinion. What do you think? Does this look safe? What do you think? Do you think they'll welcome us? Do you think they'll feed us? Do you think there's a place for us to lay down? We read about them being sent out. They were sent out to heal, to teach, to preach, to baptize, to anoint, to do, to cast out demons, all of these things. But Jesus knew what it felt like to be rejected. He knew what it felt like to find that he could not, was not respected in his hometown. So he equipped the disciples. And you might say, that's equipped? No extra shoes, no extra clothes, no money, no food? Find your own place. Stay there the whole time. When I was looking to become a pastor, I'd finished one year of seminary, and I decided I wanted to come back to New York and figure out what it really felt like to be a pastor. So I wrote the conference office, and they checked around, and the place that took me was um, two churches, um, Hedgesville and Jasper. Anybody know where Jasper, New York is? Ha! Good job. Jasper is a United Methodist Church down near the Pennsylvania line. Um, and Hedgesville is a joint United Methodist and Presbyterian church that they were attached to each other. And the pastor serving them was a Salvation Army pastor. So I get there from Chicago to spend the summer and learn that I'm going to be farmed out every week to a different family that I'd never met. Sleep wherever they told me. They'd feed me. Um, but there was no opportunity for, like, getting out. And there was no two-by-two two because I wasn't married yet. And so I went there and became... There was not a real understanding that I was not yet a pastor, that I really didn't know how to do a lot of what a pastor does. But every night when I would, during those weeks when I would go to people's houses, I was the resident pastor. Asked all the questions, um, helped to understand everything, some counseling, some things, and it was exhausting. There was no rest. So finally, 
someone mentioned, it might be the person I'm now married to, who is my fiance, um, this is really hard because she's working 24 hours a day, seven days a week in this role, and couldn't you find at least one place where she could stay the rest of the summer? Well, out came somebody's Airstream trailer in their backyard, and that's where I parked myself for the rest of the summer. So it's a little bit of knowing what it feels like to be sent and not know where you're going to live and not know um, if you're going to be paid any money or fed any food or whatever the case might be. Most of us would say, pick someone else. I learned a lot that summer. But part of what I believe that Jesus was teaching the disciples is you will be rejected. Anybody here ever been rejected by a friend, um, a family member, or anybody that you're close to? Anybody ever been rejected? How'd it feel? Bad. It's hard. So part of what Jesus was teaching the disciples is don't stay there. They didn't have Bibles back then. Don't stay there and keep beating on the Bible or the Word of God and trying to convince them. Because the more you try to convince them, the more they're going to back up. Because I can tell you that people are not one to Jesus Christ, one, W-O-N, one to faith by being beaten by the Scriptures. Threatened by the Scriptures. People either grow in relationship and love in which the scriptures are incorporated, or they don't. Scriptures say that God will do God's work in God's own time. So if we go and we plant seeds, sometimes just by showing up and loving and we're rejected, part of what Jesus is teaching is don't stay there. Don't stay in a place that's hurting your faith. In the beginning of this one, they say they took offense at Jesus. In some of the translations, it means this, it's the same word as Paul uses when he talks about stumbling blocks. And in Corinthians, Paul talks about stumbling blocks, and he says one of the worst things that we can do is put stumbling blocks in front of someone as they are on their faith journey. And when Jesus went to his hometown, I'm telling you, they were throwing the big ones because there were people watching. We don't believe you. We don't trust you. We're just Joseph, I mean Jesus, son of Joseph, son of Mary. You're just a guy. Jesus needed to get out of town because the word of God could not be fruitfully proclaimed in that space. And so if we encounter people that are like, no, 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 I don't want to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the church, whatever. And we've got a lot of that in the big church's history. Sometimes we don't necessarily wipe the dust off our feet and disappear. We just back up in love. All we can do is offer 
And sometimes all we can do is offer and pray that God will do the rest. But Jesus is teaching the disciples, don't stay where you will be destroyed. Don't stay where relationships will become stumbling blocks in your faith. Don't stay in places where you are clearly not welcomed, not loved, not treated as one who is called by God. We struggle with that on lots of levels. Lots of levels. How long do you keep working? If people are receiving our friendship, our love, our care, our ministry, and our faith, because we teach them that just as Jesus has loved me and brought me from here to here, so that is available to you. And if you want to talk about it any time, here I am. I can show you, I can talk to you, and I can listen. I think people don't fight that as much. Trust, trust, trust. And growing trust in our church community, our church community, in which this church community has been through a lot of changes. So how do we help people trust in this new day? By modeling trust, by trying to trust, by asking questions, by sticking it out, by helping people who are not trusting yet with these new pastors and maybe need a little more support in realizing that change is hard, but that nothing terrible is going to happen here, that we will be blessed, we will be served, we will be fed, and that God will faithfully show us the way. So we are called to be disciples, just as Jesus called the disciples. Um, and I could give you an example of, you know, I could have the pitcher ready for baptism, and I could have a cup of juice ready, and a loaf of bread ready, and oh, we have hand sanitizer, and I've got a Bible, and I've got, you know, the gluten-free and all that, and I could try to carry all of that to offer to people I met. Do you know what I would be spending most of my time doing? Picking it up off the ground because I would not be able to carry it and actually encounter people in relationship. So take little. Don't go overloaded. Don't go as you watch on TV. Don't go as you watch anyone else here. Just go as yourself. And love God and love your neighbor. And if we can love God and love our neighbor, not because of what they believe or don't believe, but just love our neighbor, there's more potential for people responding. How do you get through this life? How do you get through the trauma, the trouble, the illness, the children moving away, the, um, all of the things that happen in this life? Somebody might wonder. And we say, I hope and pray with the help of God, 
I know God's spirit goes with me everywhere I go. I know that at the end of this journey, there will not be darkness, but there will be salvation in heaven. I know. I trust. Maybe you trust a little. Maybe you trust a lot. But let's pray about that. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we ask that you build our trust in you. That maybe we build our trust in each other in this space, and that helps us to build our trust in a place where we worship, to build our trust in coming to this communion table and building our trust in you. Sometimes we can't see you. Sometimes we can't feel you. And so we prepare our hearts to come to this table where we can touch, we can feel, and know that you are with us. In Jesus' name. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we have turned away and when our love has failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from the places that look like captivity. You made covenant to be our God and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are trapped or oppressed in any way, and to announce that the time had come. The time had come when you would save your people. He healed and heals the sick. He fed and feeds the hungry. He ate and eats with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you, Lord, gave birth to your church, delivered us and deliver us still from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you and broke the bread. 
and gave it to his disciples and said, Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray the prayer that the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before we receive, let me just say that this communion table is Jesus' table. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to this church. It doesn't belong to the United Methodist Church. It is the Lord's table, and there is not one single person who isn't welcome here. So if you're looking for God, if you want to feel something that physically represents the love that God has for you, I invite you to come. There will be stations up here where you can take a disposable cup with juice. If you're not comfortable taking a piece of bread and dipping it into the grape juice, we have gluten-free bread with its own cup. It'll be over here. Um, and also the gluten-free disposable ones. We have regular bread with gluten. I know regular bread for gluten-free is gluten-free. But gluten bread over here with the cups um, as you would need them. You'll be given a piece of bread. You dip it lightly into the cup and then return to your seats. Or ask for one of these. Please don't take them on your own because part of what we're doing here by sharing and communion in this space is giving the gift. Giving the gift of communion. I'd like to invite the servers to join us at this time. And then we will begin to serve the congregation.
King David wrote in one of the Psalms, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And with this last song, we have an opportunity to recommit that in our homes, we will serve the Lord. So if you would please stand as we sing our last song. when our hope and our prayer is that we will serve the Lord, I invite you to go from this place and trust in the Lord. Trust just one small thing. Trust one big thing. Trust that the Lord will keep you. Jesus Christ will save you, and the Holy Spirit will encourage you all along the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go forth and be blessed. Thank you.